This is ESPN New York Tonight. Here's Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer. The Rangers are moving on. The Yankees are rolling on. And I'm flying solo on a Monday night, so let's get to it. Yes, off and running on a Monday evening. Welcome in. It is ESPN New York tonight. I am Gordon Damer flying solo for a few days this week as our guy Larry Hardesty enjoys a much-deserved vacation, a much-deserved break, and I would say a little prediction right off the top. Depending on how those test results come back on Jacob deGrom, Larry might make it a permanent vacation. You never know. He might not come back. If those th- if that comes back poorly, look out. Might have to uh, send out the uh, you know the search team for Larry, but uh, he's expected back a little bit later this week, so uh, we will take you up until midnight tonight. Freddie and Fitz then. Brian, Tom, along for the ride in the studio, getting it done there. Of course, the number you know, 1-800-919-ESPN. I want to hear from you tonight. You can find me on Twitter, at Gordon Damer. You can find me on Instagram, at Gordon Damer. You can find me on TikTok, at Old Man Radio. I don't have a sound effect for that one now, do you? Ha ha. But most importantly, you can find me on your radio next two hours, along with, of course, the all-new ESPN New York app. Download it. Use it, people. Look, we got lots to do after a busy sports weekend. Yankees trying to put the finishing touches on another win there. So we'll keep an eye on that. Obviously, we got to get to the NBA playoffs with the absolute choke job. If you looked up the, the term choke job in the dictionary, the Phoenix Suns very well might be the picture that is alongside that definition. So we'll get to that before we get out of here at midnight as well. But first up, we have to say a hearty congratulations to your New York Rangers. Yes, they get it done last night, Game 7 at the Garden against the Penguins. So they get up off the deck in the series, come back from down 3-1, get off the deck uh, in terms of the game. We're trailing in that one, going to the third period. They go to overtime. They take care of business. So as I said on Saturday, Rangers had to win that game. Had to. There were no excuses. You're at home ice. You had the better record during the regular season. You tied the series after being down 3-1. Had tied the series after those just horrendously bad performances in Pittsburgh where you gave up 14 goals in two games. and You had the better goaltender. You were at home. So last night was super uh, exciting, sensational. As you probably know by now, Rangers' first team in uh, NHL playoff history to rally from wins, four wins, in three straight deciding games of the same series. So that sets it up for Rangers and Carolina beginning on Wednesday night. And, of course, you're home for the New York Rangers right here, 98.7 FM ESPN New York and the ESPN New York app with our coverage getting underway that night at 6.30. I see that the Rangers are the underdogs again. I found that out today when I found out that they were playing Carolina. I'm not the, the hockey maven. As, as some are on the station. But look, I think if you're a Ranger fan, you kind of like being the underdog again, right? You were, you were the betting underdog last time, even though you had the better record. You were not the betting choice last time against the Penguins. So let's keep that mojo going. Let's keep it. You like that, that nobody believes in us kind of mantra. And I'm sure Gerard Gallant is um, sharing that with his team as they get ready for Wednesday night. And of course, Gallant was on with the K Show. So we'll hear from him a little bit later on. But congratulations to the Rangers. Congratulations to the Rangers fans. If you want to get in and talk about your team, you certainly can. Uh, look, there's just one thing. And look, I, I don't mean to be, um, you know, negative Nancy here or Debbie Downer. But I did see one thing during the game. And, and look, it's during the game. If you're tweeting during the game, you're, you're, you're fired up, right? You're very emotional. You're not in a rational state. You're in an emotional state. You're in a passionate state. Not reasonable. You're emotional. But I saw this repeatedly while the game was going on. The refs. Oh, man, look at what the refs are doing to this game. Look what the the refs are screwing with the Rangers. The Penguins, they are helping out the Penguins. The Rangers aren't just taking on the Penguins. They're taking on the refs. Heaven forbid they call this game evenly. The refs have it out for the Rangers. Again, I'm not the hockey maven. I'm not, the, I'm not Stan Fischler. I will grant you that. I'm not Don LaGreca. But I would just say, now that you've had some time to catch your breath, you can take a little step back from the emotional aspect of the game 
and watching your team. Could be the last time you're watching them all season. Season was hanging in the balance. Sometimes in the heat of battle, we all say things we don't really mean. I was telling my wife that just the other day. But you have to realize how ridiculous some of you sounded that when you're saying that. Because if you're saying that, what you're essentially saying, if you're saying that the, the officials have it out for the Rangers, what you're saying is, is that the league, that, right? The officials are the league arm on the ice so that the NHL would you know, put the fingers on the scale to kind of help out a team from Pittsburgh over a team from New York City. And not just, you know, not just a team from New York. It's, this is not the Islanders. You're not, you're not certainly talking about the Devils. This is, you're talking about a team from the number one media market in the country. So it would just be ridiculous for the league if they, I'm not saying they have a rooting interest, but if they did, I find it very hard to believe that that rooting interest would be for the team from Pittsburgh over a team from the number one media market in the entire country, the center of, as they say, the known universe. So no, they, I get it. Sometimes things go, don't go your way. And you're frustrated, and you see calls, and you feel like, well, it can sometimes just be a bad call. It doesn't have to be a conspiracy behind the scenes to screw your team. But luckily for you, it didn't matter in the end. You're able to rally in the third. You're able to get the win in overtime, and you're moving on. So I would just say that that, that, that same rule, though, will apply. Like if we get to game one and you see a bad call, by all means, officials make bad calls. They make them in all the sports. Baseball, on a nightly basis, we get to see the bad calls. But if there is a bad call in the first game or the second game or in the entire series against, uh, against Carolina, it will not be an indication that the officials have it in for the Rangers. It, it, it's not a conspiracy all the time, people. All right? The league, if they, if they could pick the team that would advance to the cup, I'm guessing it would probably be the teams from the biggest markets, not the teams from Pittsburgh or Carolina. 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number. 1-800-919-3776. So I did it for nine minutes, Brian. I did hockey. I, I went deep into the hockey recesses of my brain, and I got, it, I got through it. Who are you? I don't, I don't even know anymore. But I was sitting there watching the game, fired up, hoping for the Rangers, pulling for the Rangers because I had a couple of dollars on the Rangers, and um, they got it done. So everybody's helps. happy. All's well that ends well, right? Uh, that always helps for money, right? Right. I, that's, I, I have to – everybody needs motivation, right? Like Michael Jordan was the greatest at coming up with ways to motivate himself to be the best. He didn't have FanDuel in his day. I do. So that's the way I motivate myself to stay locked in on these hockey games. Game 7. Everybody loves them. Every, and it was a great Game 7. Sometimes you get a Game 7 and it stinks. But we'll get to the Phoenix Suns a little bit later on. Let's talk a little bit. The hottest team in New York. And as great as the Rangers have played and are playing and continue to play, let's hope, right? No, the hottest team in New York would be your New York Yankees. And with as hot as they've been, there have been some – have you seen these? There have been some comparisons already to the 1998 Yankees. They were pretty good. They won 114 games. And you'd have to say with the way the, the, the way the Yankees are playing games this year and winning games at this rate, you'd kind of be hard-pressed not to think about the 1990. I mean, this is even if you don't think they were as good as the 1998 Yankees, you'd have to say at least at this point of the season, they are playing as well as the 19. You, you wouldn't go to any other team outside of the 1998. Yeah, it's not the 1950s Yankees that some people haven't seen. It's the 1998 Yankees. That's the team that you would immediately think of when you're 26 and nine on the season and running these games through, finding ways to win. You have a bunch of home runs, you win the game. You have two hits yesterday, you win the game. So when you get off to a hot start like this, it's eerily similar to the 1998 Yankees. And not just there as well. Remember, people might have forgotten, the Yankees 98. I don't think Yankee fans did, but... Other people might have forgotten. 98, Yankees got off to a 1-3 and three start. Oh, my goodness. After the disappointment of 97 and losing uh, to the Indians in the playoffs in 97, oh, my goodness, a 1-3 and three start. Are the Yankees in trouble? People were losing their minds over a 1-3 and three start, and somehow, against all odds, 
the 98 Yankees did turn it around. They were not eliminated from playoff contention after those four games. This year, it was even deeper into the season. The Yankees were 5-5. Five and five. They were 5-5, five and five and the questions were abound, especially after losing 2-3 or three against the lowly Orioles. But, you know, when I watched this Yankee team this year, and we'll get into it, 1-800-919-ESPN, you know, I don't really feel like I'm, I'm reminded so much of the 98 Yankees as I am of one particular person from 1996, Mariano Duncan, second baseman Mariano Duncan. And, and one of his contributions in 96 was the phrase, we play today, we win today, and that's it. And that's kind of the way this Yankee team has been this year. They play, they win. Now, they beat everyone. So you just hope that they play that way when they play the Orioles. Of course, they haven't. They didn't do that earlier in the year. So the Yankees have been so good uh, that, that uh, they even beat the Orioles tonight. Wow. They've overcome all of their obstacles. So this was a nice win tonight. Another nice performance from Luis Severino. Gives up just the one run over six innings. Nine strikeouts. Retired the final nine batters he faced. And you might say, well, of course, it's the, it's the Orioles. It's supposed to be. Well, yes, but they didn't beat the Orioles the last time, and everybody flipped out. So this time they went out tonight, and they beat the Orioles. So everybody should be happy, right? Everybody should be happy. And you certainly should be happy with the way that Severino has performed this year. If you would have told me that, what are we, mid-May now, what is it, the 16th, the 15th, whatever it is, that Luis Severino would have pitched the way that he has pitched so far this year. Now, it's not all been flawless. But he's pitched pretty well. He's got a, a sub-4 ERA. He's not anymore, you know, pitching 50, 60 pitches and you're pulling him out of there. He's giving you a, a, a representative effort. And he's not really had any setback so far. Now, again, it's only mid-May. But you would like to think after all the time that he has missed in the past that if he was going to have some issues here, it might pop up already. Back in spring training when he was starting to experience some soreness, you would be forgiven if you started thinking, oh, boy, this guy again. This guy is just ne- he's just never going to be healthy. And so far he has been healthy, and so far he's been pretty good. Now, the rest of the rotation has somehow been better. I, I don't know that I necessarily expected that between Nestor Cortez and between Tyone and then obviously Cole. I mean, everybody comes in out of the Yankee bullpen, pitches great. So great job by Severino tonight and an impressive performance so far this year. And then you see Loisaga come in tonight, maybe get him back on track because that's a big weapon to have. And he has not been uh, he has not been as sharp as he was last year. So the Yankees just keep rolling along and pick up another win tonight. So now what is it? 26 and nine on the year. We play today. We win today. That's it. Yankees get the win tonight, finding various ways to win these games. It's tonight, it's Trevino with the big home run. Yankees getting a win even with Aaron Judge out of the lineup. It's am- isn't it amazing when the Yankees are winning games the way they are? Everything's fine. There's, there's nothing to complain about. I know people still try to find ways for things to complain about, but think about if the Yankees had just simply been, you know, okay. They got off to a, a decent start this year. They're not winning games at the clip that they are. Remember when earlier in the season there was a day where they might give Aaron Judge a day off and people would lose their, oh, man, well, how can you be resting this guy? Well, today they give him a day off and you don't hear a peep because you're just, it all comes back to production, right? It all comes back to winning games. And if you're winning games, everything's fine. Even for the Yankee fan who likes to complain about just about everything. And there always seems to be a, um, an angle uh, of negativity. Perfect example. Who has been the Yankees' best player so far this year? You probably have to say it's been Aaron Judge, right? If the season were to end tomorrow, Aaron Judge would be a strong contender for American League MVP. That's a good thing, Right? In fact, it's a great thing. But what do you hear more times than not when the name of Aaron Judge comes up on sports talk radio or people are writing about it? Well, you know, the season that he has gotten off to, that is going to cost the Yankees even more money. They're going to have to pay more money when it's time to pony up a new contract. When he's a free agent after this season, Aaron Judge is going to cash in. 
He's bet on himself, and now the payday is going to be even higher than anyone could have expected. And the Yankees, of course, already made that final contract offer before the season. He turned it down. So if it was, what was it, 31 a year, something along those lines? Well, now it's going to be significantly more. If he goes out this year, stays healthy, puts up numbers, and if he puts up numbers like this, this is going to be a career year. I mean, I don't know what his current projections are, but over the weekend, I think he was on tap for, like, if he just kept that pace, he was on pace to hit, like, 61 home runs. I mean, ridiculous. Even for him, a guy who's already put up a 52-home run season and should have won an MVP, this year, if he remains on this pace, it would be an even better season than that. But, boy, he's going to cost the Yankees a lot of money. Somebody's going to be ponying up a lot of dough. Isn't, isn't this what you wanted? Isn't this a good thing? Wouldn't you? If you had the, the buttons in front of you, and it was Aaron Judge has an awesome season and will get paid more as a free agent as a result of that, or he has a bad season and uh, his, his contract terms are, are, are going to reflect that in some way. Although, i got to be honest with you, even if he did have a bad season, I don't think that it would reflect it all that much. I, I don't think that all of a sudden you're going to be, oh, we can get Aaron Judge for $20 million a season. No, I mean, the numbers are the numbers. And it can only go up. But I think that this is kind of what you would want, right? It certainly beats the alternative. Now, if he had been hurt this year, that would be bad. That would be bad. Or if he wasn't producing like he has been or isn't coming up with clutch hit after clutch hit, those would all be bad. But it seems like there's always this kind of negative tint. Oh, well, you know what? He bet on himself, and now the Yankees are going to have to pony up. Believe it or not, whatever the numbers end up being, the Yankees can't afford it after the season. Whatever they end up, I, I don't know what they would be. Say he goes and has the, the most unbelievable season he ever have, and he's looking for $40 million a season. I don't think that that's uh, out of the Yankees' price range. Now, they might make it out of their price range, but we can, we can deal with that later. Can we just deal with the now now rather than worrying about something that's six months away? Six months away. And that's how you know the, the Yankee hater. They, they are a little worried because already they have retreated from the battlefield that is day in and day out. And now already it's about what's down the road in October. October is five months away. Yankee haters have already retreated to such a degree that they're only focused on October. Nothing else matters. They've already conceded that ground. They've already conceded the Yankees are going to be a playoff team. They've already conceded that they're going to be uh, part of the postseason mix this year. And it seems like they've already conceded they're going to win the American League East. Now, I've not done that. I, I think that the Yankees still have, you know, obviously business to take care of. But if you're looking for goals, and that's the one that people will always bring up, well, yeah, this is all well and good, but what about October? Well, can we get to October? Can we get to June? Can we wait until we get to July? Can we wait until we get to the trade deadline or the all-star break before we start worrying about what happens in October? Let's, let's focus on the now. And the now, the first goal of every season should be, let's take care of the division. Let's just win the division, and then that'll set us up best for a postseason run. It doesn't always mean that. Sometimes there's wild card teams that go on runs. The most important thing is to be part of the postseason mix. But if you're setting goals at this point in the season, it is to try to make the best spot to take care of the division. And I'd say right now the Yankees are in a pretty good spot. If another team had been leading the American League East by six games right now, if the Rays were up by six games in the American League East, do you think people would, would be focusing on that? I, th I feel like it would. Well, you know, the Yankees are already six games behind the Rays. You don't want to let them get much further ahead. Going to be tough. Going to take you a long time. To Can't make up just six games in a week. It's going to take you a while to make up those six games. Rays are really good. Or if, the, if the, the Blue Jays were leading the division by eight games in the loss. Oh, my. The Blue Jays, they're everybody's pick. This young, fresh team. They're so exciting. They're the team that the Yankees really have to worry about. But there's not that much conversation about the American League East and the Yankees taking care of business in their own division because they're leading the division. So it, it, it automatically go, it regresses to the point of where the, 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 the talk about the division is not really a major focus. It's all about October. Yes, but can they keep this up in October? Are they going to be able to win games like this in October? I don't know. I, I think I'm going to, you know, like, 
it's like when my wife will ask me, you know, what do, do you have any plans on the third Saturday in July? Uh, you know, I don't, I don't really carry a calendar on me. I'm not really sure where I'm going to be at that point. Why don't we, why don't we just kind of get through things as we go rather than making plans for the third week in July? So rather than worrying about October and are the Yankees built for October, can they do this in October, let's just enjoy the ride right now rather than focusing on the negativity. And it, it, it always feels like there's a tinge. And the Aaron Judge stuff to me is, is hysterical. As if you would, this is the way you wanted it to play out. Like I was one who did not want the Yankees to sign Judge before the season because I wanted to make sure what's the number one issue. It's not production, it's health. Can he stay healthy over the long season, another season, I'd like to get as much evidence of him being able to stay healthy for another full year before I, I, I spend whatever I have to spend. And it's going to be significant. It's going to be, it was going to be significant before the season. It's going to be significant after the season. But I wanted that full season. And my hope was, hey, you know what? You get another full year of judge, and maybe, not that he's not motivated anyway, but he goes out there and he absolutely crushes it and he's the guy, you know, he puts up a big-time season. And you know what? If that costs you a couple of extra million dollars, so be it. I would pay for that, especially considering how some of the other, you know, people that the Yankees have signed beforehand, it's not exactly worked out. <laughs> Aaron Hicks's deal has not exactly worked out. Luis Severino's deal has not exactly worked out. And you know that if the Yankees had signed Judge before this, well, now you got to hope. Oh boy, this is, that's a long contract. Got to hope. It's always there's always that tinge of negativity. I don't think that there's anything to be negative of right now. Twenty six and nine to start the season, winning series after series after series, an already six game lead in the division, nine games or eight games, whatever it is, over the Blue Jays. The Red Sox are absolutely buried. The Red Sox are absolutely dead. They are gone. They are, will not be a factor at all this season. They are finished before the, se- before the season even really got started. That, that team was gone. Done. You can buy all the Apple Watches you want. They are not coming back from that. What are they now? Eight games under 500? Nine games under 500? They are 12 back of the Yankees in the American League East. I know it's a long way to play. Anytime you are behind the Baltimore Orioles in the American League East, it's not just time to know where the panic button is. It's time to be hammering the panic button. It's time to break glass, get the keys in the, you know, like the two keys. You have to do the keys at the same time. You got to press the buttons at the same time. That's what the Red Sox should be doing. So I don't know. I know that there'll always be a focus on negativity when it's the Yankees, and it's just different with them because the expectations are if you don't win the World Series, it's a failure of a season. But after the last couple of years where the regular seasons have not really been all that enjoyable, 2020 wasn't enjoyable because of what was going on in the world. Last year was not all that enjoyable because they did not play up to the expectations of the team. I think I'm going to enjoy the now. 26-9 and nine to start the season and the best record in baseball. I'm not going to try and nitpick and find things to concoct things of what could be possibly wrong with this team five months from now. That's just me. I'm Mr. Positive. I'm Mr. Looking on. I'm Mr. Brightside. That's why I'm Mr. Brightside. 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number. 1-800-919-3776. All right, let's get some phone calls in. Let's go out to uh, Anthony is in Freehold. Anthony. First up on ESPN New York tonight. How we doing, Anthony? Gordon, how we doing, brother? I'm good. Good. I listen. First of all, I love the positivity. I spoke to you when the Yankees started four and five, and I gave you the whole Aaron Rodgers thing. Relax, because this team wasn't a four and five, five and four, whatever they started. Um, this team wasn't a uh, you know that kind of team. Um, but I want to get to my point. My point is about. Giancarlo Stanton, if you give this guy a contract today, what do you think he'd be making? Well, I mean, it's What's been a while. Yeah, I mean, it would be in the it would be in the thirty. You know, it would probably be in the in the yeah. range of what they offer Judge. You know, thirty thirty one million probably. Right, and we're we're paying him. I want to say like twenty or twenty three million a year for the next six seven years. Uh, Anthony, your phone is. Uh, is, is uh, there you go. Go ahead, Anthony. Try it again. See if you're. I, I apologize. Yes, yeah, right. I. Uh, 
the Yankees got a huge steal for signing him or for getting him with the uh, with the trade with the Marlins, and we're only paying him, you know, twenty to twenty three million dollars for the next six seven years, I believe. So, and he can play the outfield, and he's proven that this year, and he's a plus. I, I believe he's a plus defender, you know, and, and he's not just a DH that he's been playing for the past, you know, year, year and a half, you know. So I think that he's going to be a great compliment. I think that they, you know, dropped the ball on Judge, but I think that's the only thing that they dropped the ball on this year. You know, in the beginning of the season, I thought with the with the additions of kind of Falefa, with getting rid of Sanchez, I thought that was a great deal. I thought they, you know, bolstered up their defense and, I'm sure their pitching staff is is a lot happier without having Gary Sanchez be on the plate. I mean, we're missing we're, we're missing a, a catching bat, but honestly, the catchers that we have, Jose Trevino hit his whole first home run tonight, and Hickey has been great. They they've been great. You know, I just wanted to uh, call it about that. Thanks for taking the call, Gordon. Have a good right, night, man. I appreciate it, man. Um, I, I wouldn't say they dropped the ball on Judge because there was no other time to sign him, right? Like, I, I know everybody has, like, revisionist history after the fact of, oh, it should never have gotten to this point. He, he's been hurt a ton. So I don't really think there – you know, sometimes there is no bad guy. The Yankees made a respectable offer. I feel like it was an offer that was more – like, they. You, sometimes you make an offer that's just good enough to be turned down. I would I find it kind of hard to believe that they didn't know that that offer was going to be turned down because Judge has waited this long to get to free agency. He can see the finish line. He doesn't want to take a shortcut now, maybe, and he wants to find out what he is truly worth. And if he's putting up this kind of season, he's going to be worth more than what the Yankees offered. So at least so far, he's made the right call. Uh, I don't know if the Yankee pitchers are thankful that they're not throwing to Gary Sanchez. I know I am. <laughs> I can tell you that there has not been a moment of the season, even with the lack of production behind the plate, that um, I, I have not uh, thought to my oh, boy, I wish Gary Sanchez were back. There's not been a single solitary moment, not one. Now, the one thing about Stanton, and you're right, like if you were a free agent now, um, you know, that deal looks a whole lot better na- in them now, but it's because he is performing right now which is great but keep in mind that contract does not end anytime soon this is supposed to be the good time with that contract this is not supposed to be the time that you're regretting that contract you'll regret that like all long-term contract I don't remember was it 12 years that he had whatever it was that he signed it you're going to regret that more than likely down the end of it 2026 2027 I think 2027 is the final year of it I'll check but when you get to he's 35, he's 36, he's 37, that's the time you're going to regret. You shouldn't be regretting. The fact that you've already regretted it at times because of his injuries, that's not a great, that's not a great sign. And you're right. Since he's played the outfield, he's looked like a, a different player. And I could understand, again, why the Yankees were a little hesitant to play him out there because of all the injuries that he had. But at least so far, so good. And he, is, he's, uh, he has uh, been a stud. And you'd have to say, even in the postseason, you know, like he gets knocked a lot of times because he's feast or famine, right? He's he's swinging for the fences every single time up. And Brian Kenny at MLB Network, they had that piece the other day about, well, you know, is he good for them? Because when you get the good pitching in the postseason, well, if the good if the Yankees have faced good pitching in the postseason, then Stanton has answered that because I think he's gotten a, an OPS of 1,100 in the postseason. Uh, he's got a, a, an on-base percentage of like 380 in the postseason. He's got a slugging percentage in the 500s, or if, if, if I think it might be even 600. So that question's been answered. But no, in terms of his contract, now is supposed to be the glory years. This is supposed to be the good time. You know, you got him, I think, as the final piece to put the Yankees over the top. That has not happened so far. And he's now, what, 31, 32? Generally, this, you know, not now. You, you think you have some more time, but there's a whole lot of years left on that. So at some point, the Yankees probably will regret that deal, but at least it looks a whole lot better now than it did a couple of years ago. 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number. Let's go to Luke in Babylon. Luke, you're next up on ESPN New York. Hey, how's it going, Gordon? Hey, Luke, what's going on, man? Uh, nothing much. So I just I just want to talk about the judge thing as well. So, so I'm, I'll, I'm going to tie it in, I promise I'm a Jets fan, can't stand Tom Brady, but one thing that I did respect about him is that he traditionally did take minor pay cuts. Obviously, the man still got paid. And I'm not saying Judge shouldn't get paid, but, you know, because we have so many other contracts that are expensive, obviously not to his level, I don't know. I, I wish I wish he would take, you know, $30 million a year and just be happy with it. And Because and, if he <laughs> says he wants to be with the Yankees, right, 
if he really wants to be with the Yankees and, you know, make a good team, like, he also has to realize if he's taking, you know, $40 million or whatever, well, we might not be able to pay for some other good players that can get us to that championship. What, what do you think about that? Well, I mean, the, the, the one difference, Luke, and thanks for the phone call, is that the, the football, the NFL, is a cap sport and baseball is not, right? Like, if the Yankees want – the Yankees have a budget, uh, true, but their budget is made, made up on what they decide. Uh, they make up the, whatever they want it to be. So uh, I'm sure it is based on s- somehow tied into the revenues that they make. Um, I- I'm sure there is some sort of formula that they decide that this is what we're going to spend and, and we're not going to go above that and-, and the luxury tax and all those type of things f- factor into it. But at the end of the day, they could spend a whole lot more. So they could spend, say they spent $40 million on Aaron Judge. The Yankees do still have the resources to go out there. And, and if you're Aaron Judge, I'm sure I'm sure. Uh, uh, Brian Cashman loves it. Well, Judge should just take $30 million and be happy with it. Yeah, this is his one chance to cash in. He is the best player on the team. He is, whether he has the, the title or not, he is the captain of the Yankees. So this is his one chance to cut, cash in. He's done everything right. He's been uh, as, as good a face for the organization. He's selling a ton of those 99 jerseys. They got the judges' chambers out in right field. He's done everything he can, so he probably feels like, you know what? The Yankees should be willing to give me what I'm more in line with what I'm looking for. Now, we don't know what he's looking for. We don't know if he's looking for 10 years. Maybe there is some line that the Yankees just won't go cross, um, but we shall see when the season's over. I'm not going to worry about that right now. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm enjoying This is like asking me what I'm going to do the day after the party while the party's still going on. Let me just enjoy the party. The music's good. I got a couple of, you know. Don't beverages in me. I'm feeling. I'm feeling it. Let's just just uh, let's just enjoy the scene. Let's not talk about what we're going to do on Sunday just yet. All right. It's ESPN New York tonight. Larry Hardesty not here. He's on vacation. Gordon Damer flying solo. One eight hundred nine one nine ESPN is the telephone number. That still remains the same. You get, get you know it gets tricky sometimes. You fall into rhythms. You fall into patterns. And I'm still back on Saturday. I still have the weekend. Staring straight in front of me. It's not Monday yet. No, no. Uh, I should tell you that this portion of the show is brought to you by Nissan. All season long, listen to 98.7 ESPN for Sunday Night Baseball. It's brought to you by Nissan. Nissan's an easier choice than ever with their exciting and fuel-efficient lineup. And now get great offers across their full line. Shop your local Nissan store at NissanUSA.com. Com. All right, so I, I've spent a lot of time focused on the Yankees. Mets, uh, they had the, the rain out tonight, so they uh, did not play. They'll have the doubleheader tomorrow. And uh, coming off, dropping their first series of the season to the Mariners, a bit disappointing. But, you know, I brought this up on Saturday, and, and maybe by doing so, in some cosmic sense, I, I put it out in the universe, and it's kind of turned the corner for him. Uh, so I'll, I'll do it again tonight. At what point do you start to, if you're a Met fan, at what point do you start to get a little bit worried about Francisco Lindor? Now, as I said, Saturday he drove in a couple of runs. Yesterday he had a home run in the loss. But still, here we are mid-May, and not that it's, it's panic time just yet, but last year he had a really bad season. Now, he picked it up a little bit at the end, but it was a rough first season for him, for the Mets, you know, being in first place for as long as they were and that it fell apart and it was a rough season for him. And maybe that's not to be an unexpected new team, new league, big contract, big expectations. Okay, fine. But one of the nice things you thought going into this year was, hey, this year he's kind of flying under the radar. This year, not so much talk about. Now, there's going to be talk about him because he's, he's a big star and he's one of the stars of the offense, and he's getting paid a ton of money. But coming into this season, it was much more about the rotation. It was much more about Max Scherzer. It was much more about Steve Cohen. It's much more about all the guys that they signed this offseason, and they got off to this amazing start. But now here we are, you know, 30, 35 games into the season, and the numbers that Francisco Lindor has put up so far this year are looking pretty similar to the numbers that he put up last year. And if we all can agree last year was a disappointing season, well, then what would you say the second year of that is? I think it has to be heightened from just saying it's disappointing. I think it has to start to be, at some point, alarming. Now, we're not at June yet. We're not at July yet. But 
a 230 batting average, an on-base percentage of 31%, a slugging percentage at, at basically 400. I know that he's, he's played defense well and he's a great glove and all this stuff. You're not paying $32 million or whatever it is a season for a great glove at shortstop. I can, I can tell you that uh, Isaiah Kiner-Falefa is not getting $32 million. I just wonder at what point do you have to, you know, this was not the guy that you thought you were getting. And much like the conversation we were having about Stanton, this is supposed to be the glory time, right? This is supposed to be the good time. This is supposed to be where he's, he's performing and you don't mind spending $30 million on him because he's going to be an all-star. He's going to be a, an MVP candidate. He's going to be everything that you would want him to be. He's going to be one of the best players in baseball. And at least so far, through one season and 30-something games, You've not really seen that out of Francisco Lindor. Last year, kind of, you could kind of understand it. New team, new league, new contract, big expectations, all that type of stuff. Okay, fine. You get a pass. You get a pass on year one. You don't get a pass on year two. And, and, and this is why it kind of drives me crazy in that could you imagine the Yankees signed a player to a contract for $30 million, and in year two, he was performing basically in line with year one. And even after having a little bit of a hot start to, to get underway this season, he's kind of slumped back. Now, the last two games, he, he did something. So I, I guess I got to moderate that. You know, I, I have to take that into account. But last year, his batting average was 230. This year, his average is 232. Last year, his on base was 322. This year, it's 314. The numbers are basically identical. And yet I don't see this on the back page. I don't see the columnist. I don't see the articles. I don't see the, the, all the talks show. Now, maybe part of that is that the, is that the Mets have been winning it, and if they, they stopped winning, well, then it will start to get a, be a major focus. I feel like even if the Yankees were winning, if they signed a guy to a 10-year contract for $300 million and he had not lived up to that in any way, shape, or form, I don't know. I feel like it would be more than just a blip. I feel like it would be more than just... Some clown on the radio bringing it up at 1047 at night on a Monday. 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number. Let's go back to the phone, shall we? Let's go to uh, Roscoe is in Brooklyn. Roscoe, pal, what's going on? You know I'm not going to talk about no Francisco Lindor right now. I don't care what the Mets are doing right now. My whole thing is, though, Damon, Damon, what are, like, Joey Gallo, what, what, like, are we committed to him? Like, what's going on? Like, you gotta be kidding me with this dude. And then the defense in the first inning, you can't tell me that he's here for defense when he's dropping the ball in the first inning. Shout out to Torres on that double play this morning. This morning on that game, on the first inning, it would have been it would have been serious. We would have had problems just alone. And then Joey Gallo, first inning, bases loaded, strikes out. So what are, are we committed to him, Damon? Like, what do My we have to do? My name is Gordon. It's Gordon Damer. It's not Damon, but I understand, Roscoe. Oh, I, I, it's okay. It's all right. It's all right. Sorry. I just want to, you know, sorry, so, I just feel like I need to say it. I needed to bring it up after like do six we, times. Do we, do we still have Andujar? Why can't we yeah. bring him up and let him play the outfield? Like, what's, why, wow. what's the deal with Andujar? Like, Talk to me about it. Like, make me understand. Make me a rational player because Gallo is not the player for this team. Honestly. Well, look, I, I, I hear you, Roscoe. If you, if you listen to the show regularly, and thanks for the phone call, you know I, I'm not a, uh, a big fan uh, of Joey Gallo. Uh, I, I've been pretty well on uh, record with that. And I have brought up in the past that, you know, for all the talk about him winning gold gloves – I, I've not really seen it. Uh, I, I, I feel even when bo- balls are hit to him, I, I don't feel like, oh, don't worry, Joey's got it. You know, I feel like I've seen more more uh, really good defensive plays from Tim LaCastro when he was, <laughs> or uh, even Stanton. You know, each guy has made some plays in the outfield where you feel, oh wow, you know, I don't feel like there's been all that many for a guy who has the reputation of this Gold Glove type player, and I think he's won a couple of them. It's not just like a fluky one-time thing. It, he has not. Uh, he's not lived up to it. And again, you're not getting him for his glove. It's nice that he has that aspect of his game. That he has some athleticism in the outfield. He's got the speed component to a certain degree. 
but it's about him doing it with the bat, and and he has simply not done it with the bat. He is he's gotten better. He's not as bad as he was early on in the season, uh, but this 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 is this is the Joey Gallo experience. I, I, this is what it is. Uh, as for Miguel Andujar, Miguel Andujar is going to have to wait for an opportunity again. He's had a couple over the last couple of years. He's never been able to be that player that he was, what was that, 2018? Unfortunately, and he's had some opportunities. He's not been able to stay healthy, as you would kind of hope. You, you thought that that season was going to be a jumping-off point. Here's this doubles machine that the Yankees they might not have a great glove, but here's a guy that can hit, and he's young, and he's under team control for a long time. And it just is, he's never been able to get back to that level. And he's had some opportunities and he's not been, now he's not had, it's not like they gave him a position and they gave him a shot and and they were just going to ride it out. It's not like he's gotten the opportunity that Joey Gallo's gotten, but it is what it is. All right, it is uh, the uh, ESPN New York tonight. I almost did it again. 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number. Okay, let's uh, do a little bit of business here. We're getting to the NBA playoffs and just... The absolute disaster that the Phoenix Suns put up yet. To show you how bad the Phoenix Suns were yesterday, you have the Ranger game going on, right? It's a tie. For the most part, it's, it's a very close game. It's a tie game. It's an overtime. And yet, I have money riding on it. Even with all that said, I still had to keep checking in to see the corpse of the Phoenix Suns on the side of the road like roadkill, even though they were at home, like roadkill as they were getting absolutely beaten to uh, about the face and head by the, the, by the Dallas Mavericks yesterday. I, I mean, just a performance that will live in infamy, especially if you're one Chris Paul. But I did want to update um, Anthony DeComo, who covers the Mets, obviously, for MLB.com said that while the tests were set for today, that Billy Epler, general manager of the Mets, said the team would release a public update on those test results when appropriate. I don't know. What does that mean, when appropriate? Like, we're not asking for it. Like, it's not like we're doing it at 3 o'clock in the morning. Anytime is appropriate, right? Like, does that mean because the Mets were rained out today that they weren't going to do it today? Maybe. I don't know. But the MRI and the CT scan were DeGrom's third since initially complaining of shoulder pain in late March. He's begun throwing off flat ground in Florida. He's moved to a distance of 75 feet and continues to stretch out. The team doctors won't clear him to begin throwing bullpen sessions until his latest tests come back clean. If so, it looks like a best-case scenario could be July, but uh, excuse me, could be June but July is also plausible. All right, so there you go. That's the Mets story there. All right, 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number. And I don't know if you can tell, but I'm, I feel like I have a different mindset today. I'm, I'm much more optimistic. I'm much more – now, part of that is the Yankees. I saw the most amazing thing today, Brian. Yeah. So I'm standing in my kitchen today. And I'm looking out the window in my kitchen, which looks into the backyard of my house, but also the backyard of our neighbor's house. So our, our houses are back-to-back, belly-to-belly, as John Sterling might say. And we have, you know, if you live in, like, northern Jersey, there's deer everywhere. They're, they're, they're every, I mean, they're, like, you're infested with deer. They're, they're just, you can't get rid of them. So I see this deer lying down on the, on the grass. I'm like, that's kind of, you know, like they generally don't take naps in the daytime. Nighttime, you might see them, a bunch of them all together. And then I'm watching, I'm looking, I'm like, what's going on with this deer? Gave birth right there. Little baby deer comes, two of them. Wow. Back to back and belly to belly. And I, my daughter was, was home. She uh, was fascinated for maybe 45 seconds. I was far more fascinated, the circle of life. We actually saw them, like, taking their first steps. They were wobbly. They're very, very small. Obviously, they're babies. They're just born. But I feel like it's given me a different perspective on life. Usually, I hate the deer, and now <laughs> now I like, I, I like these two because they're cute and, you know, they're very sweet. My daughter liked it. I tried to get, a, I tried to get up close for a little picture, but the mom was— But you said that she was only interested for, for what, 45 seconds? Yeah, she was. I, I, you know, like, when your kids are small, they have, like, the animal stage. Uh-huh. You'll find this out. I'll find out soon. Yeah. 
they, they have the animal stage. And then when they get to a certain, like, they're still kind of into it, but they, they lose interest in it far quicker than, like, if she had been, like, say, seven, eight, nine, she's 12. Seven, eight, nine, that would have been, that would have made her day watching the little baby deer running around, taking their first steps. Good point. Yep. 12 years old, you can't, you can't compete with the internet, you know, unfortunately. But I feel like it's kind of changed my, changed my approach on things. I feel far more optimistic today. So are you going to look at deers differently now? I don't know about that. Uh, these two, like, if I don't, I don't know if they'll stay in the neighborhood. I don't know how that works. The funny thing is, when we lived in a, another house, what ha- and if you have any deer experience, you see them be born, what ends up happening is, is they're born, and then the next day, generally, the mother and the baby will stay in the area, and then early the next day, the mother will get up and leave, and leave the baby in, like, a safe place. And she'll go out and eat all day, and then she'll come back, and they'll feed at that point. I did not know this. So I was, again, it was like a situation where it was in my neighbor's yard, and the baby stays very, very still, doesn't move for anything. And I thought it was dead. I couldn't really get up close to it. I didn't really want to get up to it. I don't like nature all that much. But I thought that, you know, oh, this is sad. The little baby didn't make it. So I called it. I had to find research, call the town, find out what you do, who comes and gets this. I don't want, I'm not doing anything with it. I'm certainly not cut out for that. So I'm, I'm exp- I finally get somebody on the phone and explaining the situation. And they tell, oh, well, we'll send somebody out, you know, what's your address, all this stuff. And the thing stands up and starts stretching. I'm like, oh, it's not dead after all. I thought it was dead. So that's a little, if you ever come into contact with a baby deer and it looks dead, just leave it alone. It's just resting. Wow. Yeah. This feels like a, something I, what I learned on TikTok. Or something. It does kind of feel like a little bit like that. But this, I didn't learn. I learned this the hard way. I learned this through real life experience. This is not. This is not a TikTok lesson. Although, if I would have been smart, I would have grabbed the phone, put it up, got a TikTok video, popped it up on the old band radio, and watched the views come rolling in. But I, I didn't think about that. Probably would have gone viral. Might have. You never know. I got I did I actually had one that kind of went a little uh a little viral on the whole uh thing about the guy they cast for for Dr. J. I did see that one. That was pretty right. funny. Yeah, I mean the guy <laughs> that they cast is Dr. J. I mean it's outrageous. He's 50 years Doctor, old. I mean he, he I looked it up. He's actually 51. Wow. He's 51 years old. The I mean that is and I had people say well, you know, back in the in the 70s and 80s, that's just how people looked. I said that is. I was alive in the seventies and eighties. That is completely not true. But no, you, I mean, if for no other reason, you have to watch Winning Time just to see the actor they cast as Doctor J. They did Doctor J so dirty. Oh, so wrong. The doc, the doctor, could not be happy about that depiction. Could not be happy. All right. Speaking about not happy, NBA playoffs. Uh, we are set now with the the final four. Obviously, the have the Celtics and the Heat. You have the Mavericks and the Warriors. And really, you still have the fallout from the Phoenix Suns last night. And there's just no other way to put it. I mean, that was as bad. Has there ever been a worse performance than that in NBA playoff history? Game seven on your home court. And the game was over after the first quarter. I mean, everybody makes a run in the NBA. When the Maverick star player has as many points as the other team at halftime, it was ju- it almost was more fascinating to watch to just see how bad it got, and it got bad. And for Chris Paul, wow, what I'm never one generally to point to. Well, this individual game impacts somebody's legacy when it's just one game and they've played a thousand games. But when the, the, the narrative has already been kind of established of his teams up two Oh, his teams in game sevens. And then you, the, I haven't gone through all of them, but you'd have to think that that was the worst performance of any of those game sevens. I don't see how it can't impact his legacy. I don't know how you can ever look at, at Chris Paul and say, well, no, when his career's over, Oh, he was one of the, the, the truly great point guards in the history of the NBA. I think that conversation's over. Now, he's been a good player. He's had a good career. But the NBA is the league where stars win. And now that he is, what, 37? And, and clearly faded down the stretch uh, of that series. 
I mean, they just completely took him out of that series. Between him and, and, and Devin Booker last night, I mean, they were, I don't, inept. I think inept might be the word. To be down 40, 40 points. And, and for Chris Paul, he's supposed to be the steadying hand. He's supposed to be the veteran leader that kind of gets everybody in the right, runs the offense and all these type of things. And sometimes that is getting other people involved, but sometimes it's just about you taking the reins and, and you scoring, and that did not happen. So what, I mean, what just an absolute fiasco of a performance for, for Chris Paul. And he, it's never good when you lose a game and the first thing that you see being said and being asked was like, oh, I wonder if he'll retire after this. And he came out right away and said, oh, no, no, I'm not retiring. And the crazy thing is he's still signed for three more years, $30 million a year. And I think the Phoenix Suns are the perfect example. Now, look, maybe they can somehow add another piece. They're going to have questions because Aiton's a free agent, all this type of stuff. they got to figure out uh, what their, their approach forward is. But it's almost like the conversation we had with the, Phoenix, uh, with, the, uh, the, with the 76ers. Like, if you're a fan of a team, is it better to be in a situation where you really don't have any hope or you have false hope? Here are the Suns who made the finals last year, losing six games to the Bucks, And then this year have the best record. Was it the best record they've ever had, 64 wins? I think so. Never won a title. And you, you think, all right, here it, this is the year. This is where it all clicks. They were the heavy odds on favorite the entire season. They're up 2-0 in the series. And to see it go like that, and you, I mean, I love it <laughs> because I'm a, I'm a fan of the Knicks. So you, you watch that game and you look at the stands and you look at the fans and the, and the way they're just like zombies. They're shell-shocked watching that performance. I was kind of shell-shocked by it, and I don't even care about the team. And it kind of makes you wonder, are you better off just never having any hope? Or is it better to have some sort of false hope? Now, you don't know it's false hope at the time, but you buy in and you think, okay, this, this is going to lead us to a championship. And how could you not if you're the Phoenix Suns, right? I mean, you made the finals last year. You're clearly the favorites this year. You'd be the favorites if you got to match up against either Boston or Miami, you'd be the favorite there. I don't know that they'd be the favorite over the Warriors, but, I mean, you certainly wouldn't be heavy underdogs, that's for sure. It does kind of make you think that sometimes it's better. Maybe you're better off not having any hope at all rather than that false hope because you just buy in and you keep thinking to yourself, no, this is going to pay off. There's going to be a payoff. And as, as much pain as they, I, I keep going back to the Knicks, but you know, maybe the Mets or teams that have in the past been close, right? Mets are close in 2015. Sometimes I think you're better off just being able to write it off and saying, well, you know what? Nothing good is ever going to happen. Maybe that's why people are so negative all the time. You're better, you're better off not believing at all. Even if you do believe, but at least not publicly stating you believe in your team. Because when you have a performance like that and then it doesn't happen and you aren't able to cash in, like the Suns were not able to cash in, and now you're back at the drawing board. Oh, my God. And, and how could you ever have faith again? Like next year, however it goes. Say they get off to another great start. How can you believe that, that this year is going to be different? You just, you just sat through this season. So when you get off to a good start next year, you'll be like, oh, yeah, but we had a good start last year. Or you win 60 games. Yeah, we won 60 games last year. You get into the playoffs. You're up 2-0 in a series. Until it actually happens, until you get to the mountaintop and you win a championship, it's almost like you've been burned so many times, it's kind of hard to have any faith at all. Oh, it is ESPN New York tonight, 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number. Two things before we uh, head out to uh, the ballparks. One thing, did you notice after the game, the uh, Suns game last night, Boban got uh, a little upset? I don't know what exactly what he, he got upset about, but there was a, a scene of him and the, and the picture, I have to find maybe the picture on Twitter, of him standing next to Chris Paul it looked like me standing next to the little baby deer that was in the backyard today. I, I mean, it, it, it doesn't even look like those guys could play the same. Boban's hand almost completely wraps around Chris Paul's head. It's, it's very, very uh, jarring. 
I think that that's the one. It's jarring. It's, uh, you know, Chris Paul's not a small guy, but Boban, oh my gosh, the fingers on him. They're like, they're like, he's almost like Groot. You know, Groot from um, Guardians of the Galaxy? It's like his fingers are, they're mesmerizing. They're really, if you put his hands just simply on like a, one of those commercials, what does he do commercials for? Is it for the, the insurance? It was running the entire time during the NCAA tournament. I can't remember what the commercial was for. I think it was for insurance. Chris Paul? No, Bobab. Ah, uh, uh, yeah. Remember, he had the one with the coaster. Why do we have coaster that nobody's going to use coaster? I think, I think there was a State Farm commercial. Was it a State Farm? Okay. Well, those the, the, the next round that they have for the tournament next year, they should just put his fingers on there and just have him bending his – he really – his hands look like Groot's hands from and – they're, and they're growing at the same time. They're mesmer. It's like a it's like a lava lamp. Nobody else saw this last night. Brian, you I were in bed not, already. No, did I didn't. See see I saw most of the Ranger game. Okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, look, yeah, that's that's fair. You could be locked in on two things, though. You know, I I didn't notice I it at be. the time. I noticed it in the in the aftermath. But it's it's something to check out, man. Uh, the other thing I, I did not notice this the first time, and I don't know if this is something new that the Orioles have started. But they now, the guy, who hit the home run late tonight? We were on the air. I didn't see who it was. Anthony Santander. Santander, okay. They now have a gold chain that they give <laughs> to <laughs> guys on the team. Like, is that taking their minds off the fact that they play for the Orioles? I mean, is that the saddest gold chain in the history of gold chains? There's been some sad gold chains. But that might be the saddest gold chain I've ever seen in my life. Like, rather than investing in the gold chain, which looks like they got it at a, like a flea market, it does not. It does not. It's it does not look one. good. Yeah, it's like a carnival one. Yeah, yeah, it does not look good. I've seen uh, beads on in New Orleans for 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 Mardi Gras that looked more authentic than than th- that gold chain. That might be the saddest celebration. Like, is that supposed to take their mind off the fact that they play for the Orioles? I mean the or I mean they're just so bad. Now I know they haven't been bad for as long as it feels, but they've been just so bad for so long and so down. Like why don't we rather than investing in the gold chain and having fun in the dugout, how do we how about we finally get some players that can maybe make a difference? And that new wall that they have out there, the whole thing just seems so minor. They just seem like a minor league organization that just so happens to play in the major leagues. Already this season, their odds to make the postseason are 0.1%. Not even 1%. It's 0.1%. But you know what? Throughout that gold chain, that, that'll, that'll turn it around. I mean, that might be the – like, I feel like if I were on the Orioles and they were like, oh, you hit a home run, here's the goal. No, I, I'm good. I don't – I don't – I don't need – I don't need the – I don't need the gold chain. I'm, I'm fine. Just seems like a lost organization. And they were once like a proud organization. Boy, that is – they have really <laughs> – the, the point of tanking is to eventually turn that into something, right? Like turn that into – some sort of winning. They have lost more than 100 games three consecutive years. And the only reason why it's not four is because they didn't play 100 games in 2020. They were 25 and 35 that year. But last year they lost 110, 2019 108, year before that 115. (laughs) But don't worry, they got the gold chain. All right, let's head out to the ballparks. Yankees getting a win tonight as they beat the Orioles by the final of 6-2. Luis Severino certainly looking good. And it was tough to – I always talk about how when we came into the season, it was tough to know really what to expect at a certain guy. Every team has questions. The nice thing about the Yankees, at least so far, is that all the questions have kind of been answered in the affirmative. Right, like Glaber Torres. What kind of Glaber Torres are you going to get this year? Well, Glaber, a couple more hits tonight. Now up to 243, 292, 437. And while those numbers don't necessarily scream out to you, he's had big impact hits as well, right? Walk-off home runs, walk-off hits. 
DJ LeMayhew, is he going to get back to the player he was last year? Well, he was 0 for 5 tonight, but he has been. What kind of player is Josh Donaldson going to be? He certainly turned things around after a very slow start. Rizzo's been good. Stanton's been good. Judge has been absolutely outstanding. Even though Kiner Falefa overall has not been anything more than really average, he's had some, some big hits at times. He's made some decent plays at times. Trevino with a home run tonight, big home run, first Yankee catcher to hit a home run this year. But one of those questions was Luis Severino. After all the time he's missed, how can you really be relying on this guy in your starting rotation? Well, the Yankee rotation's been so great, you really haven't needed to rely on him. But Severino picks up the win, strikes out seven, retires the final nine batters he faced. And after the game, Aaron Boone was asked about what Severino had going on tonight. I thought he had all his pitches going. I thought he, I thought he threw really some some good heaters, the slider and changeup. They were all a factor. You know, he, he, I thought he won some situations where he was three-two, where he needed to make a pitch, and he was able to do it. Um, and then I thought late he had he had, you know, I think he smelled the finish line there and took it up another gear with his fastball. So, uh, good strong start for him. All right, so there's Aaron Boone on Luis Severino. What was it about Seve's slider and curveball that made the difference? I don't know if different. I mean, I think he's had those for the most part. Um, there's been a couple outings where maybe he didn't, but I thought he executed some really good ones in, in some 2-2, two, 3-2 two, two counts where he froze them or um, because, you know, he featured the changeup again, but I thought he did a good job establishing his fastball, and then he was able to break, break some good ones off on him. All right, well, we've gotten two from Aaron Boone. Now it is, of course, time for Answers with Aaron. All right, this is the segment where I try to guess what Aaron Boone is going, how he is going to respond to certain questions. Larry usually sets me up. I feel a little weird setting myself up. Brian, you want to throw out to me what I I got? So Aaron Boone was asked, what happened with Gallo on the arrow? What happened with Gallo with the error? Well, I will say what he will say is something along the lines of, you know, I haven't talked to him about it yet, um, but it was probably it was a tougher play than it looked. You know, the angle, there'll be some sort of, it was the angle of the play, that new outfield they have out there. It's not as easy as a play as it looked, but I have not talked to him yet, but we know what kind of player Joey is. We know what kind of glove Joey is, so I have uh, total confidence in him moving forward. You know, I, I think he just it just kind of didn't slice as much as he probably thought. Um, it seemed a little little breezy to start the game, so I don't know if it was swirling a little bit out of there and just kind of, I don't know, maybe overran it just a little bit. Oh, okay. That's not, not bad. As, no, not bad. I would have thought he would have said, you know, I haven't talked to him yet. That's generally the the route that the managers go. I haven't talked to him. Didn't see it. You know, from the dugout, it's kind of tough to read it there. That's the way I thought he was going to go. But no, he gave me a, this, this winning every day, Aaron Boone, is throwing me completely off my game. This has completely sunk this segment. I used, to be, I used to be hitting with a much higher hit rate, and my slugging was amazing. Because the Yankees are winning. It's a different Aaron Boone. So. And 19 of 21 now. It, again, like I said, it's like the old Mariano Duncan line. We, win, we play today. We win today. That's it. Uh, all right, we wanted one more. See if I can even my record here a little bit. I don't know if I should go with the Chapman one or the Glaber one. Take your well, pick. the Glaber one, what, what, that's about the defensive play? Yes. Yeah, I mean, that was a big play in the game, so why don't we go with that one? Okay, what did you think about Glaber Torres and about his defensive play in the first inning? I will say he will be blown away. Like, what a play, huge play in that spot. You know, when we think of Glaber, we think about what he's done for us with the bat this year, but he's more comfortable back at second base, and that was just a sensational play in a very big spot at that point in the game. Humongous play of the game, really. I mean, from my vantage point, too, I didn't even consider Glaber making the play. I just saw the ball getting blooped into what I thought was over Rizzo's head into right field on the 18th pitch of the inning with no outs, and I'm going, oh, no, and then out of nowhere, Glaber comes in and turns it into a double play, and then and then Seve just took it from there and got real pitch efficient, um, but, a, but a huge play by, by GT there. GT? Oh, he threw a GT. He upgraded me. You know, like you meet somebody, you talk to somebody, you're like, hey, how you doing? Good? Oh, oh, great. 
You know, like you, 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 you bounce it to them, and then they bounce it back to you, but they upgrade you in the process? That's what he did to me. I thought he was going to say, what a play. He said, tremendous play. That Aaron Boone, he's, he's, really, he's, he's really sinking this segment. It would almost be like if one of you guys ever got a lot of answers right in what I learned on TikTok. Luckily, we have not gotten to that stage as of yet. I'm just so surprised that Glaber finally has a nickname. It felt GT. like he was the one that he didn't have one. Yeah, it didn't feel like it. Because what, what do you call Glay? You know? Yeah. Tor? Tory? <laughs> Glay-y? Glay-y. No, you can't. G- he went GT. Uh, Interesting. Right. Interesting. Do you want to try the uh, – th- did he say something interesting about Chapman? Not really. I think not those really. were the All best right. one. <laughs> that will do it for yeah, – at least you're honest, Brian. There you go. That will do it for Answers with Aaron. This is ESPN New York Tonight with Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer on 98.7 ESPN.